Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into another edition of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. This is going to be an interesting episode as we are going to kind of travel all over the place. We do have our topic du jour and that is winter beers, another style podcast, but it's not really one succinct style. It's kind of many styles mixed into one because of the season that they come out. Uh, so that's going to be coming up. We have an interview coming up also with Chris Crabb uh, from the winter or the holiday ale festival, excuse me. Uh, that's coming up the next segment and then a uh, beer of the week as well. But before we get into all that and before we tease all the ways to find us, I have to talk about my last couple of days and uh i'm just glad you're alive me too there was a moment there where i thought i was done for i for in my estimation the first time in my life although maybe that's incorrect got the flu despite having the flu shot yep and i've gotten the flu shot every year for as long as i can remember and I don't think I've ever had the flu because I don't remember ever feeling the way that I felt this last week. Well, now your body's immune to it because you got <laughs> too many of them. No, I don't think that's true. I didn't get a flu shot. Well, the flu changes every year and the ch- and the shot changes every but year. But I like to live dangerously. Oh, okay. Have you had the flu before? Nope. See, that's the interesting thing about the flu shot. People who've never had it also never get the flu shot, but if you've gotten the flu shot, you also have never had it, so who's right? I mean, I've had a flu shot from time to time, but I don't get it every year. Yeah. Well, we got it for free at work this year, and I yeah. was like, oh, cool. I got, I'll got, i do it. I Absolutely. Got, I got mono once. Yeah, me too. That sucked. That was not fun. I got that my first sem- my first two weeks at Wazoo. Uh, that's what happens when you kiss another person, and yep. they, they transfer to diseases. Or it's when somebody kisses somebody else and then kisses you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all transferred. Yeah. It's like a mosquito, except lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my entire family, the day after Thanksgiving, basically dropped one by one to what I didn't even think was the flu at first, because I was like, how do I have the flu? I got the flu shot. I've never had the flu. My cousin on Friday morning woke up and she said she thought she had a cold, but she also was running a 5K with her boyfriend mm. in 20 degree temperatures in Freehold, New Jersey. Damn Jerseyites. And... She was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I committed to it. And I was like, all right, I mean, just do your best. She ran the whole thing. And I'm not kidding. Like three hours after she got back home, she was on the couch under a blanket, fevering like bad. And we were like, oh, wow, that the run really just made her sick. Right. It was just kind of like, wow, she shouldn't yeah. have exerted herself that much when she was sick. Um, we go back home the, or back to my parents' house that night. And on that drive, it's about an hour drive. My wife says she's not feeling very well, but she gets car sick. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just motion sickness, whatever. Okay. We get home, we go to sleep. The next next morning, her head is blazing hot. Tech, check her temperature, 102.9. And we're like, huh, whoa, holy crap, that's high. And so we had all these plans that day. We were going to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. We had a dinner reservation in the city. All out the window. Bye-bye. We sat on the couch under a blanket. Watch TV. Uh, this was Saturday, so I watched. I don't even know what I watched on Saturday because I watched the other stuff the day before Apple Cup mm-hmm. of Civil War. Um, Saturday night, check my temperature because I'm not feeling so hot. Hundred point five. Yeah, and I was like, Mike's next. Why feel left out, Mike? I'm um, glad you decided to join the cause, <laughs> be part of the party, and be one with the fam. Well, and then my aunt and uncle also got it that Saturday as well. My mom and dad did not get it. And my cousin's boyfriend did not get it. So they have immune systems of steel, apparently. And uh, Sunday, same thing that my wife went through. I was fevering under a blanket, only had soup. But I didn't think it was the flu, right? I was like, oh, we just all got some sort of virus. It's not not that big of a deal. Yeah. I had a six-hour flight back to Portland that night. And I took that flight. And at the airport, I was feeling okay. You know, I was like, oh, maybe it's a quick one-day fever thing. Because I've had those before. You kind of break it that night. You you fall asleep. You're fine. I fell asleep for three hours on the plane. I wake up. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was so hot. Yeah. My head was burning up. 
I had to go get a wet paper towel from the bathroom and put it on my head, which was an obvious sign that I was very sick. And I was like, nobody look at me. I put my hood up. I was yep. like, nope, nope, I'm fine. I'm just trying to get home and sleep in my own bed. Shut up. I'm not sick. That's the scary idea of being on an airplane and looking over at somebody and being like, that guy totally has the flu. Yep. And I'm sitting four seats away from him. And then you sneeze and you're like, and I'm done. Now I'm going to die. <laughs> Well, I didn't sneeze. I just laid there desperately needing water and then getting some water. And... Middle seat? No. Uh, I was exit row, aisle seat, okay. and nobody next to me in the middle. It was Nice. It was one of the luckiest times for me to feel the crappiest I've ever felt in the flight because I couldn't sit still because I was aching so much from the yep. fever. So I was, I was moving constantly, but I had space to move, which nice. was the nice thing. I land. I get home. I pass out, and I go to the doctor the next day and have the flu shocking i'm back and uh not fully there as you can tell from my voice probably but the, the fever is gone i'm mostly able to do things and that's so that's my that's my week i haven't had a drop of alcohol since saturday so well it's a good thing you got me i held the fort down here <laughs> we uh we uh did, did a little interview yep um, i am not a part of the interview on the show yeah, today <laughs> yeah I, I did the interview uh i had to hold down uh, our other radio show last night which got off the rails quickly as it does uh yeah we're good we got you but i did have a little bit of an interesting beer thanksgiving before the sickness yeah uh wednesday we went to my parents favorite watering hole called dog and cask mm -hmm. it's a craft beer bar actually and um i was really curious to go there now that we've been doing this podcast to try some of their beers we get there and the co2 is broken <laughs> yes flat beer flat beer so they only were letting us have bottles so i couldn't taste what i was going to try first yeah first beer i had <sighs> yeah man not good welcome to the east coast it was an ipa from a new jersey brewery and let me tell you it was not an ipa yeah i did not taste hops i was very confused as to why they were selling it as an ipa because it was not an ipa was it just really malty it was incredibly malty yep and i went i I asked for an IPA. Yeah. This said IP. It says it's like 80 IBU. Like what? There's no bitter. It's all malt. Well, that, going on? that's that's a good lesson to not necessarily trust the IBUs. Yeah. They can be they can be masked by other things. Then I then they fixed the CO2, and uh, the bartender there was like, "Hey, you want me to help uh, or want to help me get some of the CO2 back and try some samples?" We're like, "Yeah, absolutely." So he poured us samples of some while they were getting it back through the system. Uh, some of the beer was okay. I the the favorite beer was actually from San Diego, so that's hilarious. That's uh not exactly the best thing, but my uncle had a great selection at his at his house. He has a, a whole drinks fridge in his garage, and a lot of craft beer from Jersey that I hadn't recognized before that was really good. I tried a Left Hand Imperial Stout. I've had mm -hmm. their Milk Stout before. Um, I tried something called Resin, which is an IPA, which was really good. I believe it's from Maryland or DC, something like that. And uh, so I had some pretty solid beer that is from the East Coast, just not entirely. Uh, mine and I, you can find a picture of the tap list at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Ooh. I tweeted a picture of what was on tap and I went, well, you're trying, New Jersey. It's cute, but you're trying. Maybe I'll have to dust off the old Twitter and check that out. I don't want to see that picture. <laughs> uh, mine was interesting in the sense uh, that I went to Pullman. Uh, that sucked. Um Drank, uh, I saw you sat in a lot of snow. I sat in a lot of snow, and there was snow soaked through me. Very wet snow. Also through Gardner Minshew's arm. Yes. Um, and I didn't really drink. I didn't really go crazy on beer by any means. I brought a ton of Breakside stuff, so I just drank that. It was free, so why not? Uh, but you remember the story that I told you about uh, going to the Timbers game and drinking a culmination beer yes. and then going back to get another one? I'll be darned. I went to the game on Sunday, and it happened to me again. What? I got, and the story is exactly the same. So they messed up again. I got a culmination when I walked in there, and I drank it. It was delicious. I was happy. Then I went to go get another one. I had to use the restroom. The best friend was in line, handed him money, just like last time. I said, I want a culmination. And he says, okay. And he goes up there and he says he ordered a culmination, hands it to me. I tasted it, and there was that like infected, disgusting flavor again. And I'm just, I'm losing my mind at this point. So I'm like, how is this happening to me again? So I said, nope, I'm not doing this. And I walked back in line and I cut in front of line and I went to this lady. I was like, I'm sorry, I ordered a culmination and this is not it. 
this, I just had one, and this tastes disgusting. <laughs> and she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Because I think, you know, Portland being land of passive aggressive, you know, and it was like the can be uh, high school volunteers again or something like that. So she was just like, oh, let me pour you a fresh one then. And I watched her pull the handle, pour it into the glass, hand it to me. I took a sip and I was like, I don't know why this is so difficult. This is the culmination. I wonder, so there's got to be another brewery. Yeah. I have a strong feeling of who it is, but it is so foul and atrocious that I choose to not say who it is on the air. Okay. I'm going to ask you when we when we finish the you segment. Can, you can do that. I just... Because I, there's already a brewery that popped into my head, and I went, huh, I wonder. I just... I just... It's so bad. It's so foul that I... I would not wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> well, that was our weeks in beer. Mine a little bit more entertaining and then disgusting. Patrick's funny, but cold and wet. Sad. And sad. Yeah. Well, the Timbers <laughs> tied 0-0, so that was fun. Last home game of the season. And the stadium's going to look quite different. Plus, they had the TIFO was awesome. It was an homage to the double post game. Um, because we played KC in yep. the double post, and then we played KC uh, on Sunday, and the TIFO was um, the our cup bound and down dude, the uh, Danny McBride, and the back said, "We're back. You're welcome." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> East bound and down. East bound and down. Yeah, but in 2015, when we on our way to win the MLS Cup, it was like hashtag cup bound and down, oh. and we kept using these like pictures of Danny McBride okay. from Eastbound. I gotcha. Doing stupid timber stuff. I gotcha. Well, thank you for uh, for listening to uh, my story of the flu. I wanted to tell it. It's the first time I've had a chance to tell it. It's not been fun. You'll tell it like six more times today. Oh, maybe once, but uh, that, that's about it. But um, yeah, so this is Beers on Us. If it's your first time listening, that was a long and meandering way to get to this point. We appreciate you listening. Subscribe to us and uh, rate and review where you find us. You can find us on radio.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, 1080thefan.com, and on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter, and Patrick on Instagram is at PDiddy085. On the podcast today, winter beer. And this is this seems to me like a very broad topic because... I've seen a couple of differently labeled winter beers on tap lists recently. Mm -hmm. I've seen winter white ale. I've seen winter warmers and I've seen like barrel aged winter ales. Those to me all seem incredibly different yet. They are all using the winter ale term. So I, it's kind of going to be broad. So where do we start? Where do you want to start? What, what to you when you think winter beer is winter beer? Something that's warming. I know that's not the best descriptor, but it's something I think I think this is the I think this is really kind of the only true style that cor that corresponds with uh, the weather. You know, I mean, sure, when summer comes along, people want an easy drinking pale ale or a real bright crisp lager, but people make that stuff all year round. This is this is the time of year where people are starting to make. You know, yes, this style, quote unquote, is very broad and grandiose, um, but this is the only style of the year I feel that people are really trying to make something that is adaptable to how you feel outside. And I think when it's when it's warm out, when it's hot out, you just want anything fresh, bright, crisp, and refreshing. So that could be any that could be light anything, style. Yeah, yeah, any kind of style. To where this, I think, is more of. What's something, it, it's like having hot chocolate when you're a kid, you know, it's freezing outside, I'm cold, and I need something that's just going to kind of warm me up, and make me feel all yummy dubby. And I think that's, beer has taken that on as well. So to you, it sounds almost like you view the winter warming beer, because that is a label, like mm -hmm. winter warming or winter spice beer or something like that, as the style that you think of as a winter beer. That's kind of what I think of. I think of the things like Fala La 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 from Double Mountain or Wreck the Halls from Full Sail, Alaskan Winter Ale. Those are the kind of beers I think of when I think of winter ales. Um, I do think Filament from Ecliptic. I do think that you're right that this has kind of taken on its own thing and and we chat and I chat with Chris Crab about this uh with the Holiday Ale Fest of how it's evolved into kind of more of a a bourbon barrel age kind of big bad boy sort of sort of styles as well and I think it's because those still give you even though even though a bourbon barrel you know B bomb from Fremont just came out um even though that 
is kind of their bourbon barrel age winter ale, and it's very different than, say, fa-la-la-la-la, they both kind of get you into the same realm of feeling that that warm and kind of cozied up by the fire at, at the at the lodge up on Timberline and stuff like that. And so even though they're different beers, I think they're still serving the same purpose. And that is kind of the way I view it, too. I, I'm kind of like you. I, I think of the... They're not stouts. They're not porters. They're winter beers. That's kind of the way I view them. They're mm-hmm. malty. They're spicy. They do have some warming aspect to it. You you just named a couple that you think of. Mine are the more generic supermarket ones, but like Jubilee from Deschutes. Oh, yeah. Jubilee celebrate, Celebration yep. from, from Sierra, Sierra Nevada. Nevada. Uh, Slayer from Ninkasi. Yep, that's a classic. Although that one comes out so early now, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, Pray for Snow from Ten Barrel. Yep, that's another great one. Yellow Snow from Rogue. I don't know if they still make that. I haven't seen that one. But I haven't seen it in a while. Those are the ones that I think of, and they're all... I think the reason I like it so much is because I love dark beer, and that's what I choose to drink on a regular basis. And it's dark beer, but it's not. It's dark beer, but it hits you differently. Right. And... I think that's why a little bit of the bourbon barrel age stuff does fit into it a little bit because not all the bourbon barrel age stuff is just thick and heavy. Some of it does have the spices. It has a little bit of a of a stank to it from the barrel. That's kind of a bad word to use, but there's there's something there in the flavor that doesn't just like make you think you're eating a roast beef sandwich. You're drinking a a beer that has a little something extra and unique in it. So I could see that. Uh, certainly being tied into it, but I, that's how I view it too. I view it as that unique multi dark beer that doesn't pound you over the head with heaviness, but is warming enough to make you feel comfortable by a fire. I almost wonder if there is a sort of placebo effect to this because like people always like, for example, um, I do like some rafting trips or camping a lot in the summer and I can go to some places that are really hot. And someone will look over at me and it's one o'clock, two o'clock and it's 95 degrees out and I've got a cold IPA in my hand. And people are looking at me like, how can you drink that? It's 100 degrees out here. Isn't that just too heavy for you? For me, I drink what I want whenever I want. That's generally me too. yeah. Yeah. Now I am a, I do enjoy a lot of the quote winter warmer style beers. I only get to drink them at this time of the year. So I wonder if... We're feeling that this malty, this warming kind of characteristic thing is what we want because of what's outside, even though it's like, like, let me use the style Dunkel, for example, a very malt forward, malt driven German style lager that to me tastes good all year round. But right now, if you put a Dunkel in my in my glass in my hand, I'd be like, oh, this is the perfect beer for right now even though it's a classic style that I would drink all year. So I wonder if because it's cold, because holidays around here, because people want to wrap up by a blanket and sit with their loved ones and do crafts and stuff like that, if these winter warmers are more appealing. Uh, I can see that. And I think, and this can be something we're going to bring up in a different way down the road with uh, an episode we're going to do for beer and sports together, is oftentimes the experience and the environment... (laughs) that you are consuming said beverage greatly impacts the enjoyment and the feeling of said beverage. Like, Agreed. Uh, it, and some of it is just purely memory stuff too. Like the way you remember how a beer tastes, and this can go beyond beer in any drink. It could be frankly like a Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Like you could have Coca-Cola with pizza and that could be your memory of having that. And you have to have Coke with pizza no matter what. The trigger. Right. Whatever it is. Um, you're right. I, I, I do think though that, because of the timing of of their release dates in the winter and because of the fact that they are, they do have some holiday flavors in them with the spices and they're themed oftentimes like holidays. I mean, we mentioned the follow la 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 or jubilee and it's got Wreck all the, the, halls, the lights. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, pray for snow. They all, they're all themed around the holidays in the winter that it's almost like an extra attachment to it this time of year. It's an interesting style though. I think it's, it's a little polarizing. I think because there's no, set standard you know there's no in 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 all the great competitions we have in this country whether it's gabf world beer cup best of craft naba all that kind of stuff or even locally with the oregon beer awards uh there's no category for this beer and i think it can be divisive amongst breweries and brewers themselves because it's like why am i just gonna make this beer and slap a style on it without it actually being a style 
Because you can be that winter ale, but you could also do a Cascadian dark ale, a CDA or a black IPA and call that a winter beer or your bourbon barrel age and call that a winter beer. So I think some people just kind of don't take it that seriously and say, hey, we just like to make a spiced beer and some breweries want to hop the crap out of it and some breweries want to, you know, malt the crap out of it to where I think some breweries are just kind of like, you know what, that's not our thing. And I think it's because there's no style parameter to it. Do you think that breweries feel, I don't know about pressured, but beholden to make a winter style beer at this time of the year? For sure. I think, yeah, I think so because uh, of what the rest of the market's doing. I think it's the same thing with hazies. We saw it with that. So many breweries were like, I'm not making a hazy. I'm not making a hazy. Every brewery makes a hazy. And I think winter warmers have been around longer, so you you are starting to see some breweries just say, ah, no, I'm I'm good on that. But yeah, I think a lot of it, you look around and it's like, okay, this guy's making one, that girl's making one, this guy's making one, that girl over there's making one, we should probably do one. And if anything, you know, it, it, it all kind of boils down to what the market wants. If the public wants that, you know, if the public's going to walk into your brewery and say, do you have any winter ales? And you don't, their next, their next reaction is, oh... Why? And now, yeah. And now they're looking up at the board and they're like, man, I really wanted like some kind of malty, roasty, spiced, maybe even hoppy version of something that makes me feel like outside. But now, you know, I guess I'll just take the Pilsner, you know, and or then, they I mean, just leave and go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go down the street then. Say, Thanks. yeah, I think most people are still going to have one beer, but they might not have two. So I think, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. And this is a, a grander topic uh, for a later date, but you know, sometimes you kind of feel, I think pressure is a good word, you, or obligated almost, to brew something based on what the consumer likes. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I mean, it it no, may not it I, may not be what you want to do at the time. I think that's what I mean, is, is it's not a bad thing, but I think it might push you away from what you like to do. Like not a, what you know how or don't know how to do, but it's like, I don't want to do that. You know, like you could think- It's like, almost like a moral thing for the hazies, right? Like- I don't want to make this. Yeah, I this don't is wanna, not what I'm about. This is a shtick to me, and I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to have to fall victim to it. But you know, if the public wants it, the public wants it, and, and if you make one, jump on board. And if you make one, more people are coming in the door. Exactly. And at the end of the at the end of the day, it's about the bottom line and how many people are drinking your beer. And then <laughs> ten years from now, you're still remembering "Pray for Snow" and and uh, Alaskan Winter Ale and all those older ones you drank back then. To where you know in. 10 years, I'm going to remember Filament from Ecliptic or uh, Fireside Chat from 21st Amendment, which is probably my favorite winter ale. Ooh, I've never had that one before. Uh, it's out of San Francisco. I'll grab a couple cans well, next I tried, time I see it. I tried 21st Amendment uh, the other other week, and it was a black IPA, which I liked a lot. That was the first time I'd ever had back that in black. Yeah. I have a wood plaque, like a, like a, yeah, like a wood plaque of that label, that art, in my kitchen. That's awesome. Because it's Paul Revere. Yeah. Yeah, sitting on the horse with the lantern. Yep. Yeah, it's super cool. I uh, I tried that for the first time. That was the first time I ever had twenty first amendment brewing. I like I've heard their you. Beer. I've heard you talk about them. Yeah, before. I like their beer. I've been there before too. Cool little spot right by uh right by uh um AT and T Park. Oh, really? In Frisco. Yeah, just down the Aww. street from the stadium. When I went there, I should have gone there. Um, we we talked about this back in episode four, but there's a lot of different types of beers that can be good introductory beers for beer drinkers. Do you think winter beers could be that? Because they kind of fit into that conversation we had about reds and ambers where they could be malty, they could be hoppy, and they can kind of teach you both flavors, but they're, I mean, they're not like reds and ambers, but they're kind of like it in that sense. 100%. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it has to do with reverting back to my previous statement of maybe there's a little placebo effect in it that, yeah, I do like this beer because I'm standing outside and it's cold. And, you know, I'm helping my dad hang the Christmas lights and I want this beer because it's going to make me feel a little more warm than just drinking a Coors Light. I do think so. And especially because, you know, we talk that malt is a great introductory to people. And there are a lot of people that really only drink dark beer that don't like craft lagers, that don't like IPAs and pails, that do like the porters and stouts because they like that that roastiness, the chocolate, the coffee, all those different kind of nodes you can get in those. And I think winter beers across the board have a lot of those factors in it. And if anything, I think they do a really good job of sometimes hiding some of the things that that, you know, average, you know, new to craft beer drinker wouldn't like. Like uh, I had a... 
uh, what am I thinking of? And not to keep just harping on this beer, but I had a fala la 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 the other day, the first for the first time this year, and it's hoppy. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking in my head, this is hoppier than last year. Because mm-hmm. last year I remember it being a little too spice driven, which is a little kind of threw me off a little bit. But uh, I had it this year and I was like, oh, there's hop character there. It, but it's a little subtle, like the Freem winter we had last week for beer of the week. It doesn't come across as like, boom, hops in your face. Yep. But it gives you that malt, that spice, that kind of... And then the back end was And then the, the back end. So that might help you kind of say, oh, you know what? Hops aren't so bad. Well, winter beers are one of my favorite beers. I love them to death. I love this time of year because it, it gives me so many more options in the style of beer that I prefer, where I'm not cycling through a lot of the same breweries that, are, that I go to. Uh, for my regular hits of porters and stouts, I can now try a bajillion different winter beers and like them all. And that's not to say like I'm stuck on it as well. I mean, I've talked about this in many podcasts too, that I'm expanding and I'm having Pilsners and I'm having Kolsch's a lot more and it's just becoming more of a thing for me. But I think this time of year, it kind of goes back to when I first moved to Portland and I was first dabbling in craft beer and I, I loved maltiness and I loved dark beers. And I first discovered winter beers and I went, oh my God. The world is my oyster <laughs> for these couple of months. I can try a bunch of them. So uh, if you if you have not been into winter beers, please give them a try. They're just fun. It's a, it's a fun thing to drink. It is yeah, it's seasonal. Any, yeah, I think if anything, it, it, just, it just ties beer in with the holidays. Yeah. And it, you know, it, not it's, to festi- sound, it's festive. Yeah, not to sound too hallmarky, but I mean, that's kind of what it is. You know, these beers are only around for a couple months. Enjoy them. We don't, I think it's kind of like holidays in general. We don't have to critique like this can be, can be the time of year where you can just kind of let your guard down and it's, oh, you know, it might be okay to drink a crappy beer, so to, so to say. Right. And I think this is a time to just kind of sit back, enjoy beer, relax, and, and call it a day. So there's your winter beer segment as part of our winter beer episode. Coming up next, remember, I was sick this week and I did not sit in for this interview. So this is Patrick. My back hurts. Carrying Karen, this show once again. Just carrying it over and over again. I am quite heavy, too. Uh, Chris Crabb from the Holiday Ale Festival sits down with Patrick next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Welcome into the interview portion of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Mike is unfortunately too sick to be a part of this interview, so I'll do the heavy lifting. Uh, We are joined today by Chris Crabb from the Holiday Ale Fest right downtown in Portland that takes place November 28th through December 2nd. This podcast drops on Thursday, but it starts Wednesday, correct? Yes, it is. It is the most wonderful time of the year for a beer. Why not? I mean, when it gets cold out, when it gets wintertime, get past Thanksgiving, start yep. getting t- close to Christmas. Uh, it's what a perfect time for kind of a, a party downtown, right? Absolutely. Uh, so I kind of want to start. Let's back us up. Tell me about kind of the origins and how how this bad boy came to be. So this is our 23rd annual festival with a caveat that there was a year taken off. So it actually started in 1995. And back then it was known as the Winter Ale Festival. Okay. We had the 12 Ales of Christmas and we served the stand out beers of that time which was pretty much a brewery's flagship winter beer so pyramid snowcap rogue yellow snow golden valley tannenbaum alaskan winter ale um you know beers that anyone could access in the stores Mm -hmm. if the stores were carrying them um it has since evolved uh it ran for two years took a year off returned with new owners and the new name the holiday ale festival and since then, it's become more about making something just for that festival, just for that time of year that's really specialized so that people want to go get in line for this beer. What do you think? I mean, as we see it, and you were talking about its invo- its involvement and how it kind of started with that stuff. I mean, I've drank so much Alaskan winter ale in my life. It's not even funny. And I remember Yellow Snow very, very vividly. Who doesn't? It's yes. a funny name. Yep. Uh, I'm curious, what, what caused breweries to evolve into the kind of more barrel age style? Because we see so much more of that now as opposed to like double mountains follow la 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 or full sails wreck the halls or alaskans winter uh now we're seeing bourbon barrel aged kind of big boys russian imperials and stuff like that you know i would think that's just kind of come about just as the craft beer industry has evolved and morphed into um as more consumers became exposed to it and everyone's 
palettes kind of developed a little bit more. People started wanting more. And pretty soon, grocery stores started carrying those beers. And why go to a festival when I can get it at the store? So let's make something special at the festival. And it kind of just over time evolved into what it is now, which is truly probably one of the greatest lineups of winter beers anywhere in the country. It's it's a pretty pretty incredible lineup. I mean, it's kind of like a who's who at this point. And it every time I look at the list, it's almost like I see, you know, brewery A trying to up brewery B and trying to up brewery C. And that's gotta be a fun part of the competition, so to say, oh, even yeah. though it's for the people. It's super fun. Um, I swear for me, some of the best parts is just reading the names of these beers oh. that they come up with. I mean, these people are very creative and they're throwing in spices and they're they're not just barrel aging they're blending they're three different barrel aged beers and putting them together and they're creating masterpieces and uh you're not going to taste these anywhere else because one of the stipulations of the festival if you enter you have to make a beer special for the fest so oh, okay you can't so you guys have made that kind of a, yeah, a qualifying off. yeah so you can get this beer probably in their pub after the festival but not before so it's it's a pretty unique place to get all these amazing beers. And I'm looking through the list, and I know it's in alphabetical order, so don't don't make it sound like I'm crazy or anything. But, I mean, you've got everybody from locally, <clears throat> Coalition, Crux, Deschutes, Ecliptic, uh, Fort George, and then, you know, I see some Crooked Stave on there, yeah. some people from, from outside of the state. I think I saw a Lesion on there as well. And then you have some ciders and some mead as well? Yeah, so this year we've got the most ciders ever. We've got five ciders and a mead producer, 51 products total. Um, and the ciders, they step up their game too. They're making something special. Um, Reverend Nats every year serves his. He brings down a special heater and serves his warm. So it doesn't you've got shock me. He's always into crazy set. stuff. Oh, yeah. It's amazing the, the stuff that they'll bring, and it's so good. So tell me, what do you do for this festival? Um, I have been doing, I've been with festivals since day one, cool. 1995. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in charge of the public relations, but I'm also like the brewer liaison. So okay. I reach out, get the brewers, make, put together the program, uh, herd the cats basically, <laughs> and then promote the event. What, uh, what have, what have been some of your personal favorite interactions or stories or anything you have like that from the fest? Oh my gosh. I've been with it so long. Um, it all truly kind of blends into one in my head. Um, probably my favorite was the year that I was uh, eight months pregnant and we didn't have enough volunteers show up. So all staff had to be back serving the beers. So I'm literally back there, stomach out. Full bore. Yeah. Pouring these beers for people. So that's probably my favorite memory of it. I'm sure a lot of people ask, oh, have you tried this? Is this any good? And you're kind of just like, uh, no, yeah, no, no, I, I haven't. <laughs> this is not a beer yeah, belly. Yeah, yeah, I promise you this. I, I'm growing a child in uh -huh, here. Uh -huh. Well, that's cool. What uh, what what uh, what does the future hold for this fest? Is it just something that's going to kind of get bigger and bigger or well, do you guys have bigger dreams or anything like that? Here's the thing is that this festival literally can't get any bigger because of the footprint. Mm -hmm. So we're in Pierna Courthouse Square. It's it's the best place to hold a Christmas time festival because you've got a beautiful tree right in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, it's outside in Portland in winter, which doesn't make sense because it's going to rain. It's going to snow. Right. It's going to be cold. But no, we've got clear top tents. We bring in propane heaters. In fact, we have a coat and bag check, which raises money for charity but the reason that is is because most people walk in and the first thing they do is take off their coat they're gone it's hot in here yeah it's um, actually a pleasant environment yeah it's really is plus most people are wearing their ugly christmas sweaters to dress <laughs> up so um but yeah it's people say it's gotten too crowded move why don't you move it mm -hmm. but really we've looked at it where are you going to take it yeah. you know if you were to put this festival in a place just say like the convention center, it's not going to have the same feel. It's right. not going to have that ambiance. So part of the charm of this festival is its location. So you kind of just, you got to kind of grin and bear it. You grin and bear it. And um, so Preston Wiesner, who has um, been the GM for a number of years, he has actually, he's grown it as far as he can. He has actually created a second level that doesn't exist on the square through the magic of scaffolding and staging. And so there's actually a second story that he develops just for it. And that's where we have um, our brewers, our Meet the Brewers lounge area. And then we've got more beer taps upstairs where people can be upstairs drinking and actually look out down on the people below through the clear top tents. So 
um, that part is almost as much fun, if not more fun, than being down in the main bar. It kind of reminds me almost like um, our our housing crisis, so to say, quote unquote. You build you on top go, of each yeah, other. Yeah, you can't go out, so you just <laughs> go keep going up. up. Right. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Uh, I do have to ask the one the one tricky question. I see. I remember for a couple of years now, I've been downtown around this festival or leaving the festival or at the festival. How do you guys handle the large amounts of ABV, like the the large amounts of ABV and how easily it is to get pretty wasted at this thing? Yeah, there there is a lot of alcohol um, at this festival. So a couple things. First of all, we are on the max line. There mm-hmm. is no excuse to drink and drive at this and, festival. And nobody wants to try to park downtown. Exactly. In addition, we partner with Lyft. And so they are there on site. They make it super easy. They've got a designated spot up above, kind of by the Starbucks, okay. where you can hail your Lyft and it'll be right there. Um, and you can spin their wheel for prizes on site that may lead to perks. Oh, okay. Um, and then for new users, they have a Lyft code. Um, but, and then other than that, a lot of the higher alcohol beers tend to be more expensive and therefore we have to charge extra tickets for those to help justify the cost but that also those double tickets may prevent people from over imbibing those as well gets expensive yeah yeah and we've got in we've got security on site that just kind of takes care of everyone all of our servers are trained obviously we encourage people to drink water Mm -hmm. um but is, yeah, it's it is a high alcohol festival for sure. Is there anything on the list you can think of off the top of your head that you're extremely excited to taste? Okay, so one thing that uh, I'm kind of excited about this year is that I, as much as I love dark beers and sour beers, I do I am an IPA girl. Okay, and um, I have noticed that there are actually ten some form of IPA in this year's fest, which means twenty percent. Which is a high amount of IPAs for a winter festival. It seems like a lot. I'm seeing Freem's got a Raspberry Brute IPA. There's, I believe there's two Brute IPAs, which are going to be really good. The Peak one, my interest. I guarantee that the long, I don't know, I can't guarantee. But one of the longest lines for sure is going to be for Coalition. And that's because they are doing a bourbon barrel-aged double IPA with CBD and terpenes. Ah, that sounds like those yahoos at Coalition dabbling with the CBD. That'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. I can see why people get on that. Yeah, people are just going to see CBD and they're going to be like, I want it. I want it. Give it. Yeah. Uh, I see Fort George has a cinnamon babka IPA. A pastry IPA. A pastry IPA. Well, I... uh, this kind of festival is right up Mike's alley. Mike is the bourbon barrel, the big, dark, bad boys. That's what that's what Mike loves. To where me, I'm I'm born and raised in the Northwest. I'm just a hop fiend. Yeah. So that excites me to be able to come down there and check that out. So the the, the festival is the 28th through the 2nd, so it's Wednesday through Sunday. I have it written down Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 9 p.m., Sunday, 11 to 5. That's correct. 21 and over only, right? Absolutely. So yeah. mom, dad, leave kids at home. Yeah, it's have an per- excuse to perfect go out and do excuse something. for a date night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, is there anything else you want to get into? Uh, we're I, pretty you know, cash around here. We're, well, I'm pretty cash, too. Uh, you know, it's a really... It's become a holiday tradition. So mm-hmm. for a lot of people, their holidays are, we're going to go see the Nutcracker, or we're going to go see a Christmas carol. Beer lovers come from around the country just for this festival. I mean, it's developed that much of a reputation because these beers are so amazing. It, isn't it crazy how this town has just centered itself around beer that it's like, you know, in the summertime, yeah, I'm going to go to the coast and I'm going to go to the lake and I'm going to go hiking and then I'm going to go to the beer fest. And it's like engulfed itself into every season oh yeah and And, you know another really cool thing about this festival having been there from the beginning is that it kind of used to be more of a guys festival mm -hmm. and we used to even joke in the advertising hey let your wife go do the shopping you come have a beer that's not the case anymore it is very much an equal opportunity festival and i love that and um also i mentioned the christmas sweaters People wear not just ugly Christmas sweaters, but full-on Christmas suits, Christmas dresses, pajamas. Um, Santa Claus shows up. Actually, usually a couple Santa Clauses <laughs> show up. People have fun. And so yeah. what better way to get into the spirit than putting on some cozy Christmas jammies and grabbing a beer or Why some a really good mug of beer? 
Well, I know um, Mike and I talk about this all the time, and looking at the list and seeing some stuff, we're always interested in things that are can be kind of like gateways yeah. for people that don't drink beer, and I think this would be a great one. I mean, I think there's a lot of kind of heavy hitters in this in terms of the barrel age, stuff like that, but I do think when you see a Cinnamon Bobka IPA, yeah. I think the person that wouldn't generally like beer might say, Oh, I'll give that a shot. And a lot of these beers incorporate fruits and spices. So, yeah, there are some people who maybe are like, ooh, beer's too bitter. Just they have that assumption Mm -hmm. or that stereotype. Right. They might really enjoy these. Um, And also, beer color can be very deceiving, as you know. Just because it's dark doesn't mean it's strong and going to knock you back. It might be a very light drinking beer. I like black check lagers a lot. Yeah. And they look dark, but they've got such a light body. Yeah, we're always always trying to share with people on the podcast the... uh, approachable ways to find beer because I always say there's no, it's not that you don't like beer. You it's that you just haven't the found right the beer, beer you like. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is Chris Crab. She is in charge of the media relations for the Holiday Ale Fest. You can buy tickets for it on holidayale.com. Uh, again, it's going to be Wednesday through Sunday down at the Pioneer Courthouse. The tree's there. Uh, it's heated. It's covered. So you don't got to worry about anything. Uh, and that'll be fun. Yep, make it your new holiday tradition. Thank you for joining us. When we come back, we will do Beers on Us podcast segment called, what is that called? Beer of the Week? Yeah, I think that's where we drink beer. We'll do that next. Beer of the Week time here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And the beer this week, I had to find something from where I was and I was looking for anything from New Jersey but that is New Jersey is weird apparently they're not good with their liquor laws they don't really distribute that far out of state not a lot of people can get into state it's it's weird but what I did find was Victory Storm King Imperial Stout and why I grabbed this was this was one of the beers on the tap list of the CO2 list bar uh, <laughs> that I didn't get the full experience of. That'd actually be a good name for a bar, CO2 list. But well, actually, I wouldn't go. Yeah, nobody would go to that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I'm just going to be drinking flat beer? No, 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 no. That's a joke. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's called cask and nitro. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like cask or nitro beer. Carbonation, um, carbonation. I like I like nitro beer sometimes, uh, and. When I posted that picture on Twitter, a couple of people said, oh, have the Victory Storm King Stout. And it was too late. I didn't get a chance to have it. I, I saw it after we had left already. But when I saw this in the store, I went, okay, I guess I know what the beer of the week's going to okay. be. So I don't really know how good this is, but um, that's what trying the beer for beer of the week's going to be. Uh, I, I've got I've got decent standards for this beer. Um, I've never had this beer. I've never heard of this beer. Um, but knowing Victory's Pilsner, the Prima Pils, which is a highly acclaimed, maybe one of the maybe one of the best Pilsners made in America. You know, top ten, top twenty, something like that. Um, these guys, they're in Pennsylvania. What, what was the name of the city? We looked it up. It was a uh, Downington, 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 Pennsylvania, which is outside of Philly. Um, so, I mean, I I imagine this beer is going to be good. Well, it's a stout, and it's shocker. Well, but I I didn't go in to pick a stout. I promise you. I know I'm getting an IPA next week. I just I just saw this there and went. This was on the tap list. Oh, I guess we'll choose something different next week. I have to have I this. Just, I just realized to myself. I was like, well, I'm picking an IPA next week, but I realized we got plans for next week. Yeah, next week we'll tell you that at the end of the podcast. But uh, yeah, pick an IPA two weeks from now. That's fine. Um, so pouring the beer right now, and. Uh, the only thing that that really stuck out to me is on the tap list. This was one of two dark beer options. Oh, interesting. There was this one, and there was one from New Jersey somewhere that I also I think I had like a sampler of both of them, and then went to the San Diego beer that I liked the best. But uh, it's got a good head on it. It is quite jet black, dark. <laughs> yeah, she's dark. I can't see through her. And the description on the bottle: a thundering hop presence collides with massive espresso and dark chocolate notes in this robust and full-bodied imperial stout. How many big words can we use here? Not like big as in long, but I mean like verbose words. Yeah, the ones that are like pow when you say them. Robust. Thundering. Massive. Massive and Thundering. And I guess imperial can count as that too? Yeah, sure. The name of the beer is Storm King. Storm King. I I am the king. I think part of the reason why this beer kind of spoke to me a little bit too, and it's... 
it's not relevant at all. But we used to go to this uh, sculpture park near where I grew up, and it was called Storm King. And it was really cool, and I always thought the name Storm King is just badass. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's also another reason why it speaks to me. It does say enjoy by August 28th of 2022. What? That's what it says. That's a long way away. It is a long way away. It's a lot of time to enjoy it. It's got a really it's interesting It's going to get smell. flat by the time you get to 2022, though. You think so? Well, yeah, if it's sitting in this glass till 2022, it might get like moldy, <laughs> might evaporate. So you're saying don't do a bonus episode four years from now? <laughs> we, could, we could totally hide this somewhere in the studio and no one would find it for oh, four years. I guarantee. Well, that's not true because it would start to smell and then uh, someone would find it. Not if I put like cellophane over it. Hmm. Okay. I mean, no, I'm not going to do that, but because right. we're going to forget in four years anyway that well, we're going to have It sounded fun. I'd write it on my hand. I don't forget things. That's why I write things on my hand. So this, first of all, the smell of this beer is incredibly unique. I, I don't think I've ever smelled a stout that smells like this. Can you smell? I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can. Yeah. Breathe. I mean, it's, it's, I didn't, I didn't see that it said thundering hop presence i didn't catch that i saw the express the espresso and dark chocolate notes but i smell hops yeah that's what i smell but it's it's like a sweet mm -hmm. mix of hops like like roasty hops this is a really interesting beer i don't know if i've ever had a stout that tastes like this before because i guess it's got a bite i got the hops in the beginning then i get oh it's got a big bite then i get the roastiness and then it's like it like punches you with the hot bitterness at the end. Yeah, it gave me it gave me a one two. Yeah, I got, I got I went I went whoa that's bitter oh whoa that's bitter. I dig this. I mean this is almost borderline CDA at this point. It's a little. I just took one sip and now it's kind of like resting on the back end of my palate. I, I, it's a little chalky to me. It's kind of like. Yeah, I, I get that now. Yeah. It's a little chalky. It's a little a little too dry. Um. It leaves the back. This could of my... just be the flu, but it's kind of like tingling a little bit too. Like it's so hoppy and bitter that my throat is like, uh, yeah. Why is this so dry? Help me! I'll tell you what. I don't get a lot of the booze. It's nine point one percent. No, but it's very smooth for that. It is very smooth for that. I don't get a lot of the booze, and maybe that's just the bitterness kind of kicking me in the face right now. It's just. Have you had a stout like this before? I can't. I can't think of any that use hops in such an aggressive way I haven't in an had, imperial stout. I haven't had anything that tastes like this that is calling it a stout. Mm. Um, yeah, a, ha a hoppy black ale, maybe, a CDA, black IPA, maybe. But even... And but, I, it, but it's more <clears throat> roastier. It's more, it, it's more coffee, chocolate roasty than, you know, any CDA or black IPA has ever right. been. Right, that's what I'm saying is... I mean, we've had a couple of CDAs on this podcast before, and it's one of my favorite styles this time of year. They don't taste like this. Mm -mm. This is... It's like a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's unique. And I'm not 100% certain how to feel about it, because I like that it's unique, but I'm going to be frank, I don't love the beer. I don't... I, I like that I'm trying unique flavors. I'm not loving the back end. The bitterness is like, it's staying too long. I think there's a ton of flavor in the mid-palate. I think the mid-palate, the body of this beer, I think there's a ton of flavor. I think I'm with you. I don't think I like the way this beer finishes. I think it's just a little, it's a little too dry. It might be a little too hoppy. God, I can't believe I'd ever say that in my entire life, especially going through the mid-2000 hop wars. Uh, but it's a little too hoppy, too, well, maybe not too hoppy. I think it just finishes a little too bitter, too dry. And like I said, chalky. Um, it's got, it leaves a residual flavor that I'm just kind of like, ah, I don't yeah. like that. That's what I'm saying is I like the experiment of drinking it because it's so different. But at the end of, of, the, of the drink, I'm like, eh. Yeah, it's okay. It does make me wonder because there is an en an enjoy by date on this. Mm -hmm. I do wonder what this beer would what this batch would taste like in a year. Cuz the first thing that's going to fall off in beer is hops. Yep. And I'd be interested to see if the back end of this does smoothen out. Cuz I think if the back end did smooth out on this with a little age, I think I'd really like this. Cuz again, I like the mid palate. I like the body of it. Uh the nose is interesting. I like how you brought that up. I find the nose extremely intricate, extremely different. It's this is that is a positive for it. This is one of the more 
definitive noses to a beer that we've tried so far on this podcast. I would agree. I can smell everything that I'm about to taste before I taste it. I would agree. And I think that is, I think that is an extremely important and valuable thing to have. And, and again, I'll keep harping on this. I think my favorite part about this beer is the mid palate. I think the body is really nice. I think there's a lot of great flavors in it because the hops don't overpower Mm -mm. in the middle, the, the smoky and the roasty and the good stout stuff. They complement it well, but it falls off to just hops at the back end. Yep. And I think that's that's if if there were anything to be desired from this beer, this beer is not bad. I would no, definitely no, 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 no. say that. No. This beer is not bad. But if there was anything I would like a little smoother, a little a little more uh I don't know, a little more wet finish. Yeah. Maybe just a little more finesse in mm-hmm. the bitterness, yeah. if you will. Yeah. As opposed to Remember me, 2006, here I am, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's our beer of the week this week. It is Victory Storm King Imperial Stout. They are out of Pennsylvania, right outside of, uh, generally outside of Philadelphia. And uh, if you find this in the store and you want to try a really unique stout, give this a go. Uh, I found this at John's Marketplace, so that is one place. I'm sure you can find it at a place like Ben's Bottle Shop in Vancouver. They seem to have a lot of options as well. Yeah, I'm sure you're good to go there. Um, so I'm sure you can find that there if you'd like to give it a try along with us. And uh, yeah, next week on the podcast, on location, our next podcast takeover is going to be at Laurelwood Brewing, their Sandy location, and uh, we're going to do the whole episode out there. I'm excited. One of one of the first breweries I remember going to in this town um, when I got into craft beer and like would come visit home, I would go down there from time to time. Uh, I'm really excited. Workhorse, Free Range Red. Those are some early beers on this man's palate. I'm really excited to go down there and see those guys. Free Range Red was one of the first ones I tried here, too. Yeah. And totally unique and different from what I had ever had. And I went, wow, this is really cool. And I love that spot. I mean, it's going to be rainy probably, but they have a cool outdoor deck now, too, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty neat. And let's not forget, you know, we talk about the OGs all the time, the Bridgeports, the Widmers, the McMinimans, the Deschutes, people like that. Laurelwood's in the next tier. I mean, they're damn near an OG, too. These guys have been making beer for so long, and I, I'm just excited. I've never seen their brewery. I'm, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So if those guys are like the kings, the the Laurelwoods are like the princes or the, I look at the it, dukes. I look at it in tiers, okay. <clears throat> to be real. I look at like the OGs are tier one, mm-hmm. and then your tier two, you start talking. I start talking, yeah, like Laurelwood and Lompoc, Hair of the Dog, uh, uh, who else am I thinking of? Maybe Lucky Lab. Funny they all start with L's. But uh, but yeah, that the tier two is right there. And then everyone else kind of falls into three, four, and five. That's coming up next week. Remember, every Thursday, 4 o'clock, that's when we drop this podcast. Again, on social media, at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. You can find the picture I posted out from the Jersey Bar there if you'd like to look at it. Patrick on Instagram is at pdiddy085. And you can find the podcast, radio.com iTunes, Google Play, 1080thefan.com, Stitcher, and uh, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate it, as always, if you do do that. And let us know what you think on social media as well. Next week, you'll hear us out at Laurelwood Brewing. Thanks so much for listening. Deuces. Deuces.